but I had it anyway, so here we are. Here we are, caffeine, our our blood, our red blood cells, <laughs> our red blood cells have been completely replaced by caffeine molecules. <laughs> I hope. You may notice that our podcast may sound a little different. While we always wear a mask and social distance during recordings, Tom and I have moved to a more open and not so enclosed environment to ensure an even safer environment for recording. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Rode Microphones. Rode is an Australian-based audio equipment company with a great U.S. support team that makes quality consumer and professional microphones and accessories. Here at Two Weird Camera Beards, Tom and I use a Rodecaster Pro mixer and Rode pod mics to record each episode. If you're interested in Rode audio equipment, Midwest Photo is an authorized reseller, and you can find their products by visiting mpex.com and searching Rode. That's mpex.com, search R-O-D-E. And a special thanks to Ray Sherlow. Ray wrote the music that we use for the show. It's the song Try a Little Harder from his album Forward Facing. If you dig his music like I do, check out the link in the show notes. Thanks, Ray. And we'll probably also be able to hear this. Maddie, this is for you, little Darth Vader. (sighs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. I'm like panting over here, so caffeined up. Oh, I just muted you, so I can't hear you now. Where is she? I can't hear my... Oh, I can hear myself. Yeah, because I unmuted you. Because you were done with my breathing into the microphone. (laughs) That's great. No guests no this, guest. week, this we, week. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a guest week off, so it might be a bit a sh- guestless shorter. week. A guestless week. Um, Want to give a uh, you know keeping you in our thoughts. I you know my wife and I have have worked to donate. Uh, we hope Texas, you're doing okay. If we have any Texas listeners, I'm sure you're busy doing something else right now, uh, taking care and making sure that you're staying warm and fed. Yeah, I hope you're doing okay. Yeah, so um, you're in our thoughts. Um, I hope you're staying warm. I have, I like I you're said. You're able to get the necessities that you need for yeah. food and I've, I've water. Got, I've got friends there, and they're, they're, uh, they're keeping everybody updated on the, on the face space or the Instagram. So hope you guys are doing okay, um, keeping you in our thoughts. Um, this episode is going to be our black history month episode i'm excited i'm excited too i'm very i'm very um i've been educating myself i've been looking at work um it is important that we have these conversations on all platforms possible and as frequently as possible as frequently as possible with as 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 diverse of a group as possible i think it's in yeah uh, it's important to have these conversations uh with with other people of color and i think it's important to have these conversations amongst our uh the the our fellow white people so that they can stay educated as well and understand the uh ramifications of of everything and yeah um yeah and like uh, to a certain extent it's just i mean 
people just need to look out for each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's gonna be. I mean, it's uh, kind of just looking over here at our notes. It's it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's going. It to, is. It's going to be tough to find words for us as white people to 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 talk about these topics. But I think it's important to continue talking about them so we know how to better navigate them, better talk about them, um, and and better recognize our privilege. Um, in comparison to the the history of what has happened, yeah. So, yeah, there's um, uh like there's definitely the yeah there's some listening that needs to take place. Yeah. There's some there's some uh, kind of I don't know some understanding and some recognition that needs to happen. And for sure, yeah, it's, for sure, this is all part of it. Uh, so with that said, if this uh, we're I, I just want to put a notice out there to to people listening to this episode. If you're beginning now. Uh, this episode, if you are uncomfortable listening, I would I would urge you to listen. Um, but this, if this is a topic that you're having a hard time with now, uh, maybe it's something you need to reapproach later. But I just want to put that out there as a notice that this con- this conversation that Tom and I are about to have, this episode, is going to be touching on topics such as race relations, um, uh, history of of. Uh, of black people and their actions and our actions as white people. So I just want to put that out there mm-hmm. first and foremost. So and I'm sure that we will make mistakes sure. with language and stuff like that. I and, mean, it's an, it's it that's unavoidable during the learning process. And I mean, that kind of goes even back to our episode on willingness to fail. You have to be willing to fail at something to get good at something. So it is. And I, I would, and while as much as I know that it is not your responsibility or your job, um, if there is a person of color out there, who wants to point out something that we have uh, misrepresented or said wrong or anything, I would encourage you to, you know, shoot us an email or send us a message on Instagram or however you want to get in contact with us. Um, Tom and I are ready to learn. And yeah. we, we are, understand it's not your job. It's not your responsibility right. to teach us these things. Um, but we want to, we want to learn and have these conversations so that we can be, we can be better people yeah. and, and, and strive for a better community. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's start like, yeah. Yeah. So So you you said it. Yeah, that's great. um, So with that said, we also want to recognize that we are two white guys and we are talking on the facts in the work of black artists. Yeah. Two white men. Yes. Two white (laughs) cis men. Yeah. Who are are talking about the facts in the work of black artists. Yeah. We understand our privilege. We understand that we have an upper hand. We've always had an upper hand when it comes to um, the way that we look the way that we're named, uh, the way that, you know, we act like everything gives us a privilege because of our appearance. And uh, we find it important to have these conversations within our own race uh, in regards to ma- marginalized voices and educating ourselves on them. It's important that we as, as white people understand um, the battles and the struggles and everything. So we want to put that out there too, that we recognize that we're two white guys um, talking about this and w- we just want to yeah yeah acknowledge that and kind of yeah yeah so with that said uh what we did tom and i had found uh two artists that we wanted to you know educate ourselves on i really like the premise of this of this episode yes i i was just talking to you about this before we started this episode but like I'm excited about this episode for two reasons. Just because, one, I think that these conversations should happen more just yep. because 
representation as a whole. I was even talking to you about this earlier. Uh, the the representation as a whole within the art world has been flawed for almost probably its entire existence. Like even with females, with minorities, with all of it. And these conversations, I think, are good to have because it points out those flaws and we can start to correct it. But I'm also excited because this is something that I loved doing in college mm-hmm. was just like, like basically, I, this episode was homework for me to do a book report on a, <laughs> one of my favorite artists. And such, I love that sort of such thing. Such a nerd. You're like, I love book Oh reports. my gosh. I'm like, I, this is one of those things where you just keep clicking through Wikipedia links and you're like, <laughs> who is this guy? Wait, he knew him? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like... You start to see the networking and the connections of the people during the time that they lived, and it's like yeah. so fascinating. Yep. yep. Yeah. For sure. Um, and also that with, I mean, these are incredible artists. Like, let's not forget that this whole podcast is about photography and the people. Yeah. The people we're going to be touching on today, the 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 artists that Tom and I have both chosen, uh, we chose individual artists are so tr- crucial to the history of photography. Crucial to the history of photography, and that just if you look at their work, they're truly incredible artists. Yeah. So, um, and it's I think it's always important to point out somebody who who creates amazing work uh, within our artist community, our photography or Heck videography yeah. community. Um, so before we get started on our two artists, uh, we want to run down here, the history of black history month. Why are we doing this in February? Um, and, mm-hmm. and so Maddie, Maddie has done a great job for us as our executive producer of, of giving us a little insight on, uh, black history month and it's starting in 1915. Um, and it, it, it uh, it, it was founded by an association that is now known as the Association for Study of African American Life and History. Um, mm. So, and then since 1976, every president since Gerald Ford has designated February as Black History Month, and other countries have followed suit, which is which is great um, because you know America is not the only country, yeah. not the only uh, you know Anglo. Or originating country to kind of uh, have black people in it, and I think it's yeah. important for uh, for those other countries and communities to to know more about Black history as well. Um, it started off in the second week of February to line up with the births of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Um, although here it is quoted, Woodson uh, Woodson believed that the history was made by the people, not simply primarily by great men. He envisioned the study and celebration of the Negro race, not simply as the producers of a great man. And Lincoln, however great, had not freed the slaves. The Union Army, including hundreds of thousands of black soldiers and sailors, had done that. Rather than focusing on two men, the black community had believed should focus, he believed should focus on the countless black men and women who had contributed to the advancement of human civilization. So this was not... Absolutely. Yeah, was not to recognize a white guy who did you know, you know, the flick of his pen for, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of black people. This was to honor those those black people who had fought for their freedom. Yeah. Um, which is which is great. And, you know, the, the battle did not end there. And the battle still yeah. is not is no. not done for for justice. I don't know that it'll ever be over in equity. Yeah. yeah. We can only strive to to get to that point. Yeah. Um, so. With that said, mm hmm. Do we want to, Tom? Do we want to get started here? Do you want to dive in a little bit? Do you want to? Do you want to kick us off with uh, who you chose? Yeah. Why you Why you chose them? So 
This uh, this was a really, I mean, as it should be, this was a really difficult decision for me to make to pick just one photographer from the history, of, like from the history of photography, one black photographer to focus on here mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I know you actually you picked a incredible, Thank like you. yeah, like he. It's insane how how great both of these photographers are, uh, but there are a ton more to look into. And I'll actually have, I've actually got a list of photographers that we can kind of link in the show notes. For sure. Afterwards. Um, but yeah, I picked Roy de Carava. Uh, he uh, was born in, on December 9th, 1919 in New York City. Uh, he died on October uh, 27th in 2009. Lived 90 years. That's kind of kind of rad yeah that's uh, that's uh, an amazing amount of time yeah yeah and uh so he actually started as uh i think that this was from a uh uh an article that i came across he was a skilled draftsman a painter a printmaker uh he had de- like developed a lot of uh, graphic design kind of oriented uh, talents. Mm-hmm. He was making posters at the time and stuff like that. Uh, b- and he started taking photographs to uh, to use and study for his paintings. Mm-hmm. And then eventually his photography became his main mode of creating and kind of the final product. That was also, I mean, that was 40s, 50s, 60s. So around the time when uh, modern fine, the modern fine art community started to accept photography as an art form. Mm -hmm. And like, it started to show up in galleries and stuff like that. And it wasn't just a hobbyist thing or an amateur or a science thing. Um, but yeah, he was, he was a huge part of documenting, uh, the Harlem Renaissance, uh, in his time. Uh, he, his photographs are like, He's got a he's got a couple books. The book uh, or show or series called uh, "The Sound I Saw" is one of my favorite like ever series by any photographer ever. It's just mm-hmm. it's so good, and uh, yeah, and like when he was photographing his native native Harlem. Uh, he was, I've got a quote here from him. He was aiming to create an expression, the kind of penetrating insight and understanding of Negroes, which I believe only a Negro photographer can interpret. And to me, that shows a lack of representation and understanding of a culture that isn't white. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, some somebody else could come in and, and, and look at this and not by not understanding it they could capture it through the wrong optic they could you well, know and it, at that point it's voyeuristic too yeah yeah and, and that's not something you want and yeah. it, it's 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 not good now so it, it kind of just fill me in on this you said it's uh, the sound of what i saw is this a series that the is, sound i saw the sound i saw is this a series on on music within harlem happening it is, happening in harlem so he followed a lot of jazz musicians around okay, okay. uh uh, Louis Armstrong, John Coltrane, Duke, Duke Ellington, Billy Holiday. Uh, he in so with what with kind of what I was talking about with like uh, showing like black culture and bringing. I mean, honestly, he brought he made it. 
how do I say this? He made it like something to celebrate. Yeah. Which I, like I don't think was it was shown previously in that light, but I don't think that it was uh, embraced in that way previous to this, like yeah. by the rest of the art community. Yeah. Uh, it was more of like a, a sterile documentation rather than a celebration of what they were doing. Uh, you're you're saying prior to him? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, from what I see, from what like from what I've read and all of that, that is that does look to be the case. Um, but yeah, and like, yeah, well, and even he he was showing in New York City in like 1950s and. Uh, this is, I'm sorry if this is scatterbrained at all. I'm kind of moving around quite a bit. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I was telling Kevin before this, I was like, I, I don't know. I was doing a bunch of research on this last night and like kind of gathering all these thoughts. And I've got like a full page that I'm kind of working through as I'm talking <laughs> of just notes. And like he was, I don't know, he was such a prolific photographer and uh, it, and yeah, so in the 50s, Edward Steichen even came across his work, which Steichen, if you guys don't know, was a curator for MoMA at the time, and he created probably one of the one of the largest uh, multi uh, multi artist shows that's ever been made. That's been like kind of, and it was called the Family of Man. Okay. And it, I've actually got the book in front of me here, but he he actually went to one of De Carava's shows and uh, bought some of his work to put in that show. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking. Uh, he's also the like, as you can imagine, like as I was flipping through this book last night, I own this book. This it's a huge part of photographic history and within the arts, right? And like the like minority minorities are so underrepresented in this book even though he is in it and yeah. Gordon Parks and some other great minority photographers but it's just like most of them are like magnum photographers like uh Henri Cartier-Bresson yeah. and stuff like that and it's just I don't know yeah interesting yeah um yeah I mean you just you just drop uh Gordon Parks in there, and I mean, I'm a, a huge fan of, of Gordon this. Parks is so good. That was another one that I was trying to decide between too, yeah, because he's such a great like the yeah yeah. But yeah, cool. Did uh, <laughs> and you you chose some photographs here that you you know you you showed me. Did you want to talk about these? Sure. Yeah, these now. Yeah. So the first one that we're bringing up, all all three of these are from the sound I saw, and we'll link these into the show notes so you can see what images we're talking about. Here. Yeah, and this first one is three three jazz musicians walking through some sort of like it looks like a modern architectural space. Mm -hmm. One of them is holding is that a cello? Yep, he's holding a cello and walking behind two other two other guys, and the the use of light and like uh figure and gesture like it just it's it's a painting yeah like this, you, it is so clear that he was a painter before he was a photographer the the contrast here the shapes that we're drawing the lines that were were lead i just this is a really cool photograph yeah um you know it's it's a little grainy and it's it's clearly shot on film and everything but just the composition i think makes this makes this photograph for sure yeah um just really cool really cool photograph yeah, I like it a lot. 
Uh, and like the, just the angles and, uh, it's one thing to note just because this one has so much of an angular perspective. There was a quote that I came across. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget where I saw it, but, but somebody brought up the fact that he was drafted into the military. Oh. And experienced a ton of racism oh. and was in the like the mental kind of ward of the hospital for most of his time there and dealt with, he said that he, he on a, like it, I saw a quote somewhere that he said after that, he had a slanted perspective on life and it showed huh. in his artwork. Interesting. Which I mean, yeah, vote, like they kind of play. I think that they're kind of playing with the visuals that he's showing too. Cause there are like, he plays with angles quite yeah. a bit in light and uh yeah in lines in that way in his work but it's just another thing like i don't know it's just that's really interesting how how somebody's experiences in life and especially with with a black artist mm-hmm. uh, who's experienced racism and discrimination and prejudice how those experiences can shape the art that they make and how that I feel is really important. I think it like that's the only way it happens, right? Y- yeah. Like a, a art turns into some sort of therapy at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. For that sure. others can relate to and I think that it it becomes like a communal therapy for people to also look at. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, it it's also one of those things where you like where I was reading all of his kind of accolades and all that, all of his all of the great things that happened within his life mm-hmm. and uh and it gets you a little hopeful and then you read that and it's just like come on man like the like really even like it just bummed me out yeah. but yeah that it is it is incredibly unfortunate that somebody would go through that yeah, because all he did, well, everything that I read about him was he uplifted everyone around him. Yeah. He even, at one point, he founded a school which kind of only lasted a few years, but it was in Harlem to uplift other black artists. Yeah. And to bring that community together so that you make some connections between uh, teachers and apprentices and stuff like that. And I don't know to like see somebody who's has such a huge positive impact on their community, just be beaten down by another aspect of their community. Just, yeah, it's infuriating indeed. But yeah, so he, um, yeah. Do you want to move on to the next? Yeah. Yes. So this is, uh, uh, Duke Ellington. I told you, (laughs) yeah, I, I told you before we started, this is like, this is probably like top three, images ever for me yeah just his use of negative space around like it's a portrait but it's not a portrait there's kind of there's so many stories going on here Mm -hmm. and it's really cool um but you you also get this sense of of tapping into i mean the the coats with the Mm -hmm. with the hats here Mm -hmm. it's just and then you've got one person without a hat one person with a hat and there's a lot i mean this is so many cool aspects. I mean, this is when people say a picture, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. This one is easily worth a hundred thousand words. There's so much going on, and and it's it's well composed. It's really, it's well exposed. It's it's just so cool. Yeah, and to me, it's like it's a Renaissance painting. Yeah, 
It's you've got the giant ceiling, and then it's also a study on rhythm within yep. the frame, like with the lights above. Like those might as well be quarter and eighteenth, sixteenth notes. Yeah. Yep. And then the vertical lines with the ladders and the the structure that's behind the two men. Yeah. And even the like you said, the hats and the coats on the rack are also like it's just rhythm and space and yeah it's so cool i love this picture like if i could yeah i strike like this is a picture that i kind of like it's like the gold standard for me (laughs) for like what i try to do with my framing and like form and all that stuff yeah i can see that yeah very cool you want to go to the next one yeah 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 this is another one that's like so freaking perfect yeah just the the lines the composition the it's just so cool and he's directing your eyes perfectly between the four boys yep or the three boys is the bottom i guess it doesn't matter the, th- the four children yeah but yeah and just oh so cool and it, and it's uh the the history of this i mean look at the way that these kids are dressed and mm-hmm. and <laughs> you, know, you really don't see that anymore. No, um, but it, it definitely it gives some perspective to the to the timing of this photo. There's a boy wearing a tie, suspenders, a button-up shirt tucked into his slacks and dress shoes that literally climbed up onto a windowsill from a fire escape. Like he's on a jungle gym <laughs> in a suit, essentially. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, it's great. It's and, really interesting. Yeah. It yeah and. So good, and it uh, like it's he's directing your eyes between the the four children perfectly. Like your eyes just your eyes just keep moving. Yeah, like it kind of like I kind of wonder if he was a a musician of any sort himself, yeah. just because it seems like this. I can hear this picture. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There's also there's also like uh you know deeper. You know, you, you look at this and you kind of bounce around the four children and mm-hmm. then you're, you know, you're looking at the lines of the fire escape, but you mm-hmm. also, you start asking questions about what's going on here. I mean, you've got, you've got the fire escape, which is a window, but it looks like there's a doorknob. And then you below that, there's a window that looks like it's been bricked up. Yeah. Um, and then to the, to the right of that, you've got a window that's got bars on it. Yeah. Um, and then like graffiti and you're like, okay, what, what's the story here? It looks like chalk or something there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of go, you've got the the lingerie sign, you've got a lingerie sign, and then you've got this, this door all the way to the right. And it's It's like Victorian. It's Victorian, but it's got like a chain kind of weaved through it with a padlock. And you're like, what is, you know, what's, what's the story here? What's, what's going on with these kids? What's going on with this, with this stoop? What's, you know, what's, what's the story in it? This is like Newsies, New York at its peak. Extra, <laughs> extra. <laughs> Read all about it. Yeah. First edition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. Yeah, you picked some. You picked some awesome photographs, man. Yeah, man. They're like, well, and it's easy to like so many of his images. Even I, I brought the family of man here, and I'll show you the images after, or I yeah, can yeah. slide it over to you. I've got them post-it noted up. Yeah, yeah. But they're so, they're so like. I don't know another way to describe it besides they're dark, mm-hmm. but lighthearted. Yeah. Like okay. he uses, like in terms of tonality, he uses a lot of dark things to kind of make the light things kind of pop. Yeah. Even in this picture that we're looking at now with the four children, like 
it's a fairly dark muted image but the four shirts kind of pop with their lightness with yeah. that sign and even the one that we looked at before the just before this with uh the lights above like it's kind of, it I don't know. It it looks like it could be a basement or a spare room, mm-hmm. and it's mostly dark, but it's got you can see the light sources, and that's it, that stark contrast makes them pop. Yeah, but yeah, it, in the in the family of man uh, images that I found, I I was flipping through it. I didn't see anywhere to like actually see which pages the like each specific photographer were uh, featured on. Yeah. But all of them were very intimate that I saw. Okay. Like very like filled the frame with the the people that are in it. I like that. I'm, and, a, I'm a big fan of that. Filling the frame with, with this yeah. intimate look on what's going on. Yeah. And very uh very uh emotional with the lighting. Okay. Very intimate with the lighting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like almost it looks like it was it was not lit is what it looks like it looks like he de- dealt with whatever light was in that happened to be in the in the kitchen at the time kind of thing yeah yeah okay yeah very interesting uh another thing that i kind of wanted to mention before we move on to yours yeah yeah uh he was the first african american photographer to be awarded the guggenheim fellowship in cool. 1952 uh, if you guys don't know what the Guggenheim Fellowship is, it's a huge, huge honor mm-hmm. for artists or uh, like for kind of any field of study. Um, like some of the other Guggenheim winners were Ansel Adams, Diane Arbus, Uta Barth, Harry Callahan, uh, Hiroshi Sujimoto, uh, Joel Meyerowitz, W. Eugene Smith, Alex Hoth. Like the list goes on like a ton of, yeah, a ton of huge participants within the field of photography yeah but yeah very cool um but yeah i yeah i guess i did i I, one last little thing that i want to end on with and then we'll move on to yours is just the the poetics of his images and how how they've been interpreted kind of since Mm -hmm. um there was an article by hilton alls for the new yorker which we'll link in the show notes, but it's an incredible article about De Carava's work. Mm-hmm. Um, from This is directly from Hilton All's New Yorker uh, article, and it's, by the time he died, his body of work had come, had come together to form, among other things, a monumental poetics of blackness, one that explored the ways in which race can define a person's style and essence, and made it clear how poorly or neglected, neglectedly, uh, I'm sorry, the color black had been used in much of American photography before De Carava had come along. Mm. And then another quote from that article, not that De Carava will escape those readings entirely, the majority of his subjects were black, which means that much of the response to his images will be de facto sociological, addressing the so-called marginalized of the marginalization of the people depicted but there is no such thing as the marginal in de carava's photographs women musicians vegetation harlem all of it is alive with the experience of being 
which I know that I, I'm I'm a terrible person to read out loud there, but that that <laughs> his article is I don't know it's a celebration of the work and it's really great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna link a lot of stuff for for Roy uh, De Carava in the show notes. But if you want to see uh, a tribute to his work, a celebration of his work, um, De Carava uh, De dot org uh is going to have some really nice photographs from his from his collection but again we'll we'll link some uh yeah. some stuff in the show notes so that you can see more of his work as well that tom's talked about in the the images that we've referenced here yeah so well you know well done tom uh great artist uh i think you know highlighting highlighting music highlighting the history of harlem uh, just really cool stuff from from roy de carava um thank you thank you very yeah. much yeah thank you man um Okay, so let's um, let's let's move on to the artist I found. Um, so so pumped. I know. So I chose Don Hogan Charles, who um, is you know you're gonna know him from one photograph, and he's gonna be known for for one big thing in in his lifetime, um, and not to not to just focus on those things because we're gonna go a little bit deeper into this, but. Um, Look at that style. You just so, you have the so, picture. Is that a picture of him? Yeah. So I did want to bring this this photograph of of him up. Um, Don Hogan Charles was a cool freaking dude. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk? He about looks so freaking dapper. Like I, he, this looks like a picture of somebody on Instagram right now. So he had this really cool sidebar, cool glasses, wore a suit while he photographed, smoked a pipe. And he's got, you know, he's got one camera over his shoulder. He's got one camera in his hand. He was a Nikon shooter, by the way. Uh, sup, uh, sup, sup, <laughs> sup, sup. So um, he was the first black photographer hired by the New York Times in 64. Oh. Okay. So he he made a huge impact. In, How did I not know that? Uh, well, now you know it. Right? Now, you, now you've been educated. <laughs> so um, he was uh, the first black photographer for the New York Times. And uh, the New York Times... Uh, applauded uh, him on this and his work for the civil rights era uh, when he died at the age of 79 in 2017. But um, he was a, you know, a resident of Harlem. He, I believe if I remember this correctly, he was originally going to school to be an engineer, Um, but he ended up dropping out and getting into photography because he wanted to, he, uh, he did not want to be pigeonholed. And and this is something important that I wanted to bring up. He did not want to be pigeonholed as a as you know the black photographer, a black photographer. But he found it a duty to document what was going on in his culture and in his community. Yeah. And I think this is something that and and I could be wrong here. And I, this is something where <clears throat> I I have talked about it with with people of color. I have uh, seen it where on on one hand, you know, they see it as a duty to document. Uh, uh, what's going on and, and what's going on with them, their mm-hmm. community, their culture. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they want to be recognized too as, you know, that, yeah. that, you know, that's not, oh, it's that black photographer. No, it, he is a photographer. Yeah. And I think that is important. Um, and I think Don Hogan Charles tried to walk this very fine line of, of being a good photographer, which he was an incredible photographer, yeah. but also making sure he did his community and his culture due diligence and documenting what they were going through at the time. Yeah. Um, Isn't that like a weird thing that like, that 
people feel the need to categorize humans in that way? Yeah, because you don't. I mean, somebody, somebody. If, know, uh, if, we, if somebody comes into our store and then we're trying to, you know, we're trying to describe them, we don't say, "Oh, hey, it's that white photographer." We yeah. don't. We don't do that. We don't do that as as white people. And I yeah. think it's it's a uh, it's a discount to who they are as an artist to be like, "Oh, that black photographer." And of course, you're like, you're still influenced by your heritage and by sure. your culture and your upbringing and all that stuff. And, yeah, and that does leak into the artwork. But to like to be pigeonholed in that way, just to be categorically like separated from the history of photography that's prominently white that just happens to be you it's just I don't know, it's weird to think about that. It is. And I I recognize that struggle and that uh, strive for being recognized as as the artist that you are, the good artist that you are. Yeah. I, 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 I have not experienced it personally, but I can recognize that that would be a struggle. Yeah. And, and I feel for that. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. So he, um, he, what I really like about his work is that he documented what was going on in his community and his culture, but he did it in a way that rode this line of street photography in, in journalism. And it was really interesting to see kind of this walking back and forth between, and I think that's where you blend. like Which street, can be kind of the same street, with like yeah, street, Robert Frank. And, sure, street yeah. photography can be, uh, street photography is a form of documentation. Yeah, um, It's just dependent on what you want to focus on, what you yeah. capture on the street. And I think he did a really good job of of, of walking this line and, and seeing you know what was going on yeah. within the street while documenting it historically. Like he he documented the Newark uh, riots. Um, I I do want to talk about his most famous photograph, which uh, was captured in '64. Uh, if you have not seen this photograph before, it is incredibly famous. It is uh, Malcolm X in his living room. And in one hand, he has a rifle. Some sort of assault rifle, yeah. Yeah, he has a rifle in one hand, and in the other hand, he is pulling back the curtains and looking out his front And he's wearing a suit. And he's wearing a suit, as, you know, we have seen Malcolm X frequently wearing, wearing, uh, you know, his his famous suit. So uh, what I find really important about this, so he photographed this uh, in 64. It was was put in Ebony Magazine. um, Mm-hmm. And is one of the most famous photographs of Malcolm X. He captured it. Uh, Don Hogan Charles captured this. Um, and what I find very important about this photograph that I was, I was actually having a conversation with Ashley, my, my wife, yesterday about this. Um, this demonstrates a, a, a clear privilege um, of, of what we see of white people and what we see of, of black people. And... Um, Malcolm X was obviously a figure who was targeted by many. Yeah. Uh, and, and unliked by many, yeah. but important within the story of, yeah. of, of, of black resistance and, and standing up for black yeah. people and equity. And just and, identity and, and, and all and that justice. stuff. Yeah. And we often forget as uh, uh, white people, because we go to school and we learn about the civil rights movement and we hear a lot about it being you know, marches and talks and speeches and stuff. But this history of what we are taught in school is completely whitewashed, completely whitewashed. 
the civil rights movement. <laughs> it's insane, like the level at which it's whitewashed to it the is. extent that Africa is a smaller continent on most maps than what it actually yes. is in reality. Like it's insane. Yeah, the civil rights movement uh, from the 60s uh, to the 70s and even now, you know, we have been taught that it was this moment of speeches and unity and and marches and all of these things but in reality the civil rights movement was bloody it was violent it was yeah. it was difficult for scary it was scary you didn't know what was going to happen yeah. um but you know black people didn't know what was going to happen next um so it it was not this time of of singing songs and unity and it, yeah. there were some of that those yeah. things but um there was active violence towards them and there was active threats against them. Yeah. um, Just overall resistance. So we, we have to recognize that, but also I wanted this, this particular photograph kind of circling back to it. uh, Malcolm X was targeted by several groups of people and ultimately, you know, he was, he was killed um, by a, a group from the nation of Islam. But that said, he you know he had threats from from white people because of the things he was saying. He mm-hmm. had threats again from black people that, that for things that he was saying. And um, if we were to look at current photographs of white people and them holding guns because they are facing threats. Oh my gosh! Yeah, fa- the double standards. They are facing threats against themselves. We see those white people and say, "Oh, they're exercising their rights yeah. to have a gun and protect themselves." Yeah. But when you look at a photograph, what is it? The stand your ground and all that sure. stuff. But yeah. But you look at this photograph of Malcolm X, and most people would, say, "Oh, it's Malcolm X." You know, he he used violent rhetoric. And, you know, he, here he is holding a gun and these things. And it's a total double standard. And that's why I find this, this photograph so important because Malcolm X wasn't doing <laughs> anything different than yeah. what a white person would do if they yeah. were protecting themselves. Well, and it's the illusion, like, I don't, I, I, mm. yeah. I, I don't, yeah. That's, there's there's, it's there's a lot there's a lot to like process there yeah it's just hard, even with that it's hard to unpack it's hard to find the words that being said you can't deny that uh, so so a year from when this photograph was taken so after a year after this photograph was taken malcolm x's home was firebombed oh my gosh you know that if a uh, uh, if a white person had the threat of their home being firebombed, they would be doing this exact same pose with the the same gun and, and doing all of these things to protect themselves. A week after his home was firebombed, Malcolm X was killed. <laughs> so that said, that's why I find this photograph by Don Hogan Charles so important within the history of what's being told during this period of time. Yeah. So. That you know, this is this is the one the one photograph that he is famous for that I wanted to point out and talk on because it it tells a story, it shows a, it shows double standards even in twenty twenty one. Can I can I ask you a question? Yeah. About this, just uh, like in terms of Don Hogan Charles, uh, how did this? Did you see anything on uh, in, like in your research? Did you see anything on how this particular photograph affected? his career as a photographer you know i didn't i didn't read a whole lot about that i i read about you know this photograph being scary to white people yeah um this photograph being highlighted and kind of um almost dividing the black community a little bit too because you know you had some on the black community that were were trying to practice civil disobedience through peace and you had some in the black community who were 
um, trying to say, you know what, no, because, you know, the, the white man used violence in order to suppress us. And in order to combat that, we have to go on the offensive and be violent ourselves. So sure. you had this very, it's, we, we often view the black community and the black civil rights movement as this one cohesive piece that everybody agreed on, but it's they just were, as, yeah, all mo- most were, communities are, have some dysfunction to them. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's a disservice to simplify and boil down the black community to having one of the same voice. Yeah. They disagree yeah. just as other cultures disagree with yeah. themselves. So that's why I find this photograph so important. And, and Don Hogan, Charles capturing it, I think, yeah, and publishing I guess, it within Ebony, I think is is very important. I guess my my that question, I was more like, I don't know. It's so it's not uncommon for photographers to take on controversial subjects. Sure, and sometimes they use it to benefit their career. I don't think that's the case here. I think that he was no. doing what he thought was important. But I I'm wonder like I guess I was kind of wondering if there was any impact from that image just because that was such a controversial topic amongst everyone, I think, at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it probably... It, hmm. it, it scared white people. It, it divided a community of black people. Regardless, it was history. It needed to be documented. It needed to be shown, and the story needs to be told, and I think yeah. that's, that's you know something Mr. Charles did very well. Um Kind of, kind of moving on from from that photograph. He also has two other photographs that are pretty, um, pretty well known. Uh, young uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar here, as you can yeah. see, a um, uh, uh, black Muslim basketball player, which was you know something, something that was a little foreign to people at the time. But you know he is a, a legend in the NBA mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, and the other one that is uh, really well known is his his photographs and documentation of Martin Luther King Jr.'s funeral. And uh, yeah, you know, here we have uh, Mrs. King and and her mourning, and you know, people consulting her, giving giving her, um, you know, their condolences. And I think it was really important to to document this funeral because of the impact Dr. King had on yeah. on, on that community and everything. So. Um, just really strong work from him. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll link again, we'll link a lot of his work into the show notes, but he's got, I mean, he also photographed Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Uh, like I said before the, the Newark riots, um, just an incredible photojournalist, yeah. uh, an incredible street photographer, um, capturing some really big bullet points in the civil rights movement. Yeah. And um, so many, so Kevin, as he was talking there, was just kind of scrolling through the Google, uh, the Google image results of Don Hogan, Malcolm X, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's so clear. Like I don't know, just scrolling through his images, you see how much like quick thinking went into his image making because it like it is just kind of stealing a moment in a lot of these where you just you happen to be there at exactly the right time to get exactly that perfect kind of documentation and composition of everything that's happening in the scene to like, to, to show kind of the energy and the mood and like what's actually going on in the images. Yeah. It's yeah. It's incredible. It's really, really work, really strong work. The other thing I wanted to uh, kind of applaud him on, which I thought was really interesting here, is that he, um, 
oh, I'm trying to find the word for this. Um, beyond being a, a a black photographer who documented black, you know, historically important moments in time, um, and and being part of the New York Times. Um, uh, photojournalism, photojournalism crew. Mm-hmm. He, it, it, this, this, you know, New York Times did a an amazing job on his, um, his kind of his obituary and his. It, it's, it's a memorial to him, kind of talking about his story and everything. When did he pass? Uh, twenty seventeen. Okay. Twenty seventeen. Um, he was seventy nine. Uh, he he died in December. It was in East Harlem. Um, hmm. but what is really interesting here is if you kept reading throughout, he was a champion for female photographers at the time. Now you have to rem- really, yeah. So you have to remember at the time, you know, why, and, and much like now, I yeah. mean, go to, go to, if you kind of go back to some trade shows back when pre COVID, um, you go to a trade show and the majority of photographers there that you see, they're going to be male and they're going to be white. Mm-hmm. And um, we are just now getting to a point where female photographers are getting recognized as equals. And we're still a long way to go here. And um, I I don't mean to kind of stray away from uh, black history and uh, black historical photographers here, but I think it was um, something that's important to bring up with him that he saw as... (sighs) Again, I'm, the word is escaping me, but he saw that. He saw value. He saw value in that there was more than just white male photographers. Sure. So he championed for female photographers yeah. too. And he would mentor them. He would fight for them in the in the newsroom. Yeah. Um, he would you applaud their work openly when other people were afraid to because they were afraid to challenge the white male photographer. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. There are plenty of great white male photographers, but I, right sure. now we are talking about the, 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 the representation, the representation of, of yeah. people in photography. Well, and it's also like photography is so literally a perspective. Yeah. It is so literally just like what you see in your life, yeah, you have access to to photograph. Yep. And if all you see is white male photography, all you're seeing is a white male perspective. Yep. And you're not seeing how others may see the world, which is like I don't know that that's problematic. Yeah, yeah. And I think I mean you know we go back to to the episode we had with Emma Parker and we asked her about, um, you know she photographs straight people and gay people and and large people and thin people and poor people and rich people and you know why she does that and I think her I think her response was great in that you know we have to be able to document more than just what we look like than what we mm-hmm. are we have to go out there and realize that there's a real world with people that are much different looking than us yeah. and come from much different backgrounds and it's important to document them as much as it is to document people that look like us yeah so um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's my, that was my research on, on Don Hogan Charles. Um, I like that. Also, just, can we talk about his style again? Yeah. Can, can we talk about his style for just a second? Dude, it's so If good. I could walk around like this and photograph people and that be my job, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. That's just, that dude's got, 
cool. Like honestly, right now you've got the the image of him back up on the screen with the New York Times going across the top and no text at the bottom and literally like this looks like it could be like a men's style kind of thing for New York Times. Like it it like it looks current. It just yeah. He's so freaking cool. Yeah. So cool. What do you think? What do you, is uh is that a wool jacket he's got on? I don't know, but I like that thick tie too. Yeah, the thick tie and, and, uh, and the high button on his jacket. I was also going to point out that the uh, the suit jacket. He's so the pockets of that suit jacket. They're a little bulging out right now. Yeah, they're I'm full getting, of film, bro. No, that's what I was just thinking. He's, <laughs> he's got tons of film. He's in got there. so many rolls of Triax. He's still. He's got. He's. He's blasting away with that Nikon. Yeah, no doubt. So all of his work is is black and white as well, uh, as you as you saw and as yeah. you'll see when you look through the show notes and look he's through the links. Some, he's got but, some plus X just in case the sun comes out. <laughs> but yeah, he's got he's yeah yeah. So that's I, so cool. I uh, I also I love looking at these old photographs. Even as I was kind of thumbing through the Family of Man last night, <laughs> how clear it is where you can see like the dodging and burning. Like you oh, can yeah. see it, you can see it kind of on the bottom right corner of his jacket and his pants where it meets. You can see a little bit of lightness on yep. the street where they dodged his pants a little bit. Yep, yep. And it's just like, man, <laughs> Photoshop before Photoshop. You, you try even that that lens that he's holding glows a little bit. Oh yeah, there's a little halo around yeah. his around his camera and everything isn't there. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I see it now. I love that. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's Don Hogan, Charles, I'd, I'd encourage you to look at his work and, uh, and check it out. It. It's, it's really good stuff. So don't, d- yeah. And just, yeah, try to, try to diversify your feed a little bit so yeah. that you're seeing some other perspectives. Uh, so speaking of, of diversifying, uh, feeds here, um, I do want to, let's give a shout out to some of our, our, artists, let's do it. our artists of color here in, in central Ohio and in, in Ohio in general. Heck yeah. Um, uh, Tariq Terry, uh, mm-hmm. at Tariq Terry, who's a, an amazing, uh, he's here in the store regularly. <sighs> he's got such a cool- Just hearing his name brings a smile uh, to my I face. Know. I love you, Tariq. <laughs> and so uh, we hope to have him on here soon. Uh, but he's a great uh, uh, large format photographer. He also uh, does some video work and he documents um, people of color here in our community and, and tells their story and really connects with them. So that's, that's what we're going to be talking about. He is the portrait photographer of Columbus. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's incredible. It's like incredible. In, it's just in uh, terms of uh, like style and in terms of execution and everything, like I don't know of anybody who's, who's working at a higher level of portraiture than he is. Yeah. Four by five film. Mm-hmm. all posed all lit all like yeah scanned in himself all processed himself yep. printed on a 44 inch like roll printer by Epson, like a big big stinking printer yep yeah he's yeah he's the guy he's, yep yeah um Mikel Areca, so you can follow him at Mikel Areca or peak and Spar- at peak and sparrow which is his company he's a um wedding Big time wedding guy, right? A uh, couple, yeah. Uh, our own assistant manager, Steph Parker, shoots with him uh, yeah. from time to time. And uh, is he, he an icon shooter? He is a I bet he is. Fuji Canon shooter. Ah, so, come on, Mikhail. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, he's got great work. He's got a cool story too. So uh, we we'll link uh, the we did a virtually cool feature fair 
last holiday season with him where he kind of told his story and what he does in terms of video and vlogging, which he, he does quite a bit too, so you can check out yeah. his YouTube page. Um, but he is uh, from Nicaragua, and he, um, you know, he's got some really... Uh, he's got a really cool background and, and kind of telling, get, wanting to document, wanting to capture, and then finally like working himself up to, yeah. to capturing and, and getting equipment and everything and how he does that now and how he markets his business. He's a great business person. Yeah, he's a so. great. He's way better at connecting his thoughts to uh, like video and stuff than I am. Like he's yeah. great in front of the camera and like commu- yeah, he's yeah yeah. That's his that's his thing. Yeah. Uh, Brooke Muhammad, who's a who's an awesome uh, uh, engagement couple wedding photographer here yeah. in in Columbus as well at underscore Brick Nicole Photos underscore. Um, great work from her. Mm-hmm. Um, our very own Taylor Cuby. He's a great portrait at Taylor Cube. Yeah, um, Taylor's amazing. He shoots uh, medium format Fujifilm. Um, he captures some of the the just the coolest stuff, man. He's mm-hmm. an amazing. He's a great studio photographer uh, too. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. that's you know he, he he did that from you know what I've talked to with him. Uh, he did that in order to you know combat his his shyness and and kind of connecting with people and talking with people because he started out just doing still life work. Yeah, uh, and then he started bringing people in and, and talking with them, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the other ones here since I just covered, yeah. covered half of them? Let's, uh, the next one is Cheyenne Banks, uh, at underscore shy shoots. That's S H I S H O O T S. And I'm going to add to that as well. Uh, Aaron Taleb. Okay. Uh, he's, uh, I, I'm going to have to, I, I don't have his at here, but, I think uh, it's, I think it's Taleb man. Taleb man. Yep. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, but yeah, and then, uh, Sterling Carter, uh, Mm -hmm. he's a great video, uh, video shooter here in Columbus. Uh, his is at Carter effect. So C-A-R-T-E-R-E-F-F-E-C-T. Uh, and I just wanted to, yeah, it's Taleb underscore M-A-A-A-A-A-A-N. Man. For, uh, (laughs) for Aaron (laughs) there. I wanted to make sure I got that right. Uh, and then, uh, Ben... The <laughs> Ben Willis, uh, lowercase b l o r c a s e b. Uh, he he's a great photographer as well. Love him. Yeah, absolutely love that dude. Yeah, uh, Kojo uh, at Kojo Arts underscore videography. Uh, that's K O D J O Arts underscore videography. He's a he does a lot a lot of great video work as well. Uh, and then I've got a couple here as well. Uh, Hakeem Art and stuff is a great follow for a local uh, mural and just general general painter here in Columbus. Uh, he did some of the murals on some of the boarded up businesses in the short north. Okay, cool. Yeah, he actually, I don't know if you've seen it, The there's a fence, a wooden fence just across the street from Wylands on uh, Indianola that okay. he did. That's like peace that signs and all that stuff. It it looks okay. awesome. I'll have to go down there and check it out. Uh, Alexander Dreamer, uh, he's a musician, local musician, uh, and then uh, Jeffrey Clark Jr. Uh, is another great artist here, local to Columbus. Yeah, 
So make sure you you check these check these artists out. Uh, give them mm -hmm. a follow. I think it's like Tom said, it's important to like, diversify what you're looking at, and what you're seeing, and what kind of artists you're mm -hmm. you're viewing. Uh, Look at artists that uh, make work that make you uncomfortable. Make look at artists that that are different from you, that capture things that are different from you. Um, look at artists that are documenting uh, communities and cultures that you're not familiar with, so you can learn more about them and and be a better member of humanity. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, uh, I also so we're gonna move on to some movie book uh, educational recommendations. Uh, I've got right off the bat. I kind of wanted to mention. I listened to a Planet Money episode called "How Desi Invented Television." It's about Desi Arnaz uh, and I Love Lucy, and about how he kind of he kind of paved the road for uh, Latina like people in television. Yeah. But then also how how much resistance he met with that, and just with they were literally the first. Uh, uh, interracial couple depicted on television too yep. with Lucy yep. and how that made, how that was, how difficult that was uh, for that to be, for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, we've got some others here as well. Kevin, you want to go through some of them? Um, yeah. So these are, these are recommendations. Uh, some of these I, I am uh, familiar with and some of them not so much, but uh, these are recommendations that were suggested by our executive producer, Maddie O'Neill. And I think she did a great job of kind of curating this list. Um, just as I am by Cicely Johnson. Um, this was this came out uh, just after she she passed away, um, and this was kind of uh, something that she put out, and it was a gift to the world as she as she left it. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to have feelings about this. You can dislike him, like him, but I think it's important to note that uh, it's important to recognize the milestone of having uh, the very first black uh, president of the United States. Uh, this is the book A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, you can dislike the politics all day long, but I think it's important to note uh, his upbringing into becoming the president of the United States, and I think that's it's something that we should all recognize. Um, the African Lookbook by Catherine McKinley. Hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with this one, but it sounds very interesting, and I do want to. I do want to take a dive into this myself. Um, Tom, you want to do the other half of the list here? Yeah. Uh, is it Ida? Yeah, Ida B. Ida B. The Queen by uh, Michelle Duster. Uh, Finish the fight by the New York Times. Uh, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. There's the movie. movie as well. Yeah, there's a movie. There's a movie as well as a book. Nice. And then uh, Heads of the Colored People by Nef Nefisa? I think it's Nefisa, yeah. Nefisa Thompson Spires? Yep. Uh, sorry, I am not a great read-out-loud person. <laughs> I, it's something I strive to get better at, but the growth doesn't seem to happen there for yes. me. But we'll and see. Uh, um, and then we also want to bring up some places that you can donate to. Two big, two big ones that we want to highlight here. Um, that I think are very important. The first one is something that Emma Parker, uh, the photographer Emma Parker, who we had on a few episodes back, is doing right now where she is uh, uh, booking shoots and donating the money to Brown Girls Mentoring. And this is a really cool, um, uh, it's, it's, they've, there's got a chapter here in Ohio, there's one in Florida as well. Uh, but this is a organization that helps um, young women of color uh, learn more about self-confidence um, 
skills for life, the workplace, everything in between. Um, and it's, I think it's very important because of the uh, disenfranchisement of, of education and resources within their communities um, that has happened. And I, I, I would just really want to give a huge shout out to this organization and, and what we can do for them. So the other one is the Columbus Freedom Project, which is going to, to help folks with, you know, if, if there's the, the protests in, in the past, and I'm sure that will happen in the future, um, this organization ensures that we, we help those people who have been wrongly arrested um, or have been put away in some way because they're exercising some basic rights and asking for things that we all honestly should have, which yeah. is our voice to yeah. be heard. Um, so yeah, two, two big ones, Brown Girls Mentoring and the Columbus Freedom Project, if you want to donate to either one of those. Cool. I also, I just, I should have mentioned this earlier when I brought it up in, uh-huh. uh, the local artists. Yeah. But, uh, Ben Willis, uh, lowercase b on Instagram yeah, actually yeah. also has work up at the Beeler Gallery. Oh. So it, it's work that was actually printed here. Like we worked with him on that. Okay, and like, cool. uh, it, it, they are huge, stunning prints. Yeah. Uh, that like that I think are worth checking out. Yeah. Um, and it looks like he also has uh some things up in downtown Columbus at the GCAC Gallery. Okay. The Greater uh, Columbus Arts yeah. Council. Yeah. 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 I was kind of re. I was saying that out in my head <laughs> as I was saying that out loud. That was a weird thing. Um, but yeah, he has, he has some things up at that gallery as well okay. from, yeah, from work that he's done recently. And if you want to go say hey to him, cause he's just terrible, a, bro. A generally cool dude. Go he may it. even take your portrait while you're waiting for your coffee to get made <laughs> and he'll like, yeah. So he, he's there at Parable Coffee, which Tom brought me a, a little cappuccino today from Parable with some oat milk. And I, I must say, milk. It is, it is superb. It is the best. It is so good. It is so good. Parable and Mission, I think, are my, which Mission is kind of, they don't have their spot in the short north anymore. Got so, it. But yeah. Okay. Parable's just, it's it's just downtown. Yeah. So go say, hey, go say yeah. hey to Ben. Check out his work. Go say hey. Tell him mm-hmm. how, how cool he is. Yeah. Um, so your challenge this week, we, we kind of already covered it, but we want you to. <laughs> <laughs> your Christopher Walken came out a little bit there. Your challenge this week. The challenge. <laughs> your challenge this week um, is you got to go out and you got to find. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, take it upon yourself to educate yourself on the accomplishments of, of and history of the black community. Um, we would challenge you to go follow some of the accounts that we just mentioned. Find other accounts. Let us know about them so that we can give them a follow. Yeah. Um, and take. I'm it up- all about just learning about new artists in yeah. general, and so like, yeah, and the more diverse and the more inclusive that can be, all the better. Exactly. Yeah. And um, uh, take it upon yourself to read all the books that we mentioned, and mm-hmm. let us know what you learned from it. You know, uh, you know send us an email. Uh, the number two weird camera beards at mpex.com let us know what you thought about it uh let us know what you thought about this episode yeah um let us know what we might be able to learn that that we have missed or i'm sure there's a lot i'm sure there is it's a big like this is not a topic that's going to be able to be covered in 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 an an hour hour. and a half episode (laughs) yeah there's no way and i'm sure that we sound like a couple babbling white guys throughout some of it anyways sure so yeah let us know if there's if there's anybody else we should check out or if there's anything yeah and yeah. and uh, just a huge thanks to to all the artists out there, and a round of applause to those who 
create amazing work yeah that, that do incredible work that is so good and you don't get recognized for it because that's kind of part of what art is whether to, it's good or not the sure, work that yeah. you're putting in like whether it's important or not like yeah yeah, yeah. so thank you for, yeah for continuing to create and continuing to express yourself yeah regardless of of you know the ignorance that you get from the world yeah. or or anything else it is so admirable to be out there and and create yeah and not have recognition for it yeah you might get recognition for it later you might not but regardless that you still create is a highly admirable thing yeah so um that said you have anything else tom uh there probably is uh yeah, I, I don't think there is though. Okay. Not off the top of my head. All right. I know that I'm I know that as soon as you hit that little red uh record button, I'll be like crap, I forgot something. <laughs> like yeah. every week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll text me when you get home. You're like, Oh yeah, that one thing. No. <laughs> there was this really cool aspect of Roy Dekarava's life that I didn't cover. <laughs> oh man. I'm sure there is an aspect of a really cool aspect of his life that I didn't cover. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. I think that's it though. Cool. Uh I'm are you happy? I'm happy. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm still learning, but I'm happy with, with what I've learned so far and I'm eager to learn more. Yeah. So, and yeah, if you guys reach out to us, we'll mention you in the next episode and we'll mention the content in the next episode. Let us know. We'll, yeah. Yep. We, we want that conversation to keep happening. Indeed. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Yeah. As always, thank you for listening. You can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. So just reach out to us if you're, if you want us to be on a different uh, platform that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, share your photos with us on Instagram. Do it. Do it. Tag I want to see your photos. That's us. one of my favorite things is when people walk into the shop and they're like, I got all this gear and all this stuff. And I'm like, cool. Can I see the pictures you made? <laughs> <laughs> where do you post them? Yep. You yeah. know you know where you should post them. You should post my Instagram and mention us at the number two weird camera beards. Yeah. Or at MPEX underscore photo underscore video. And then if you have any questions or you just want to send us your images... Yeah. And you don't want to pub- publish them publicly. What do they do? You can email us. <laughs> you can absolutely email us. The number two, weirdcamerabeards at mpex.com. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, hold on. I'm writing that. No. Uh, <laughs> and so special thanks uh, this week, as always, to our magical, mystical, Marvel- uh, marvelous, marvelous uh, uh, sand in the toe, toes in the sand, uh, seagulls uh squawking in the background maddie maddie o'neill uh and then also thank you uh to the president of midwest photo moisha applebaum man my mouth is full of marbles today mouthful (laughs) thank you moisha for letting us hang out in here and blabber on about stuff uh also thank you Ken Lewis, VP of Midwest Photo, the same. Thank you for thank you guys for letting us uh, hang out in here and I'm, just. I also want to mention the breeze. Here, uh, between the, the, the two, three of these people, Maddie, Moisha, Ken, um, thanks for making a workspace that Tom and I and other workers can participate in that can have open conversations about all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think you know some some 
workspaces. They want to avoid this. They want to kind of sweep it under the rug. But that's it. Yeah, we we also have a lot of privilege in that environment to yeah. be able to talk about this freely at work. We do. We do. Um, but it, it's it's good to it, it, we have that privilege. But it's very good to, to be able to to talk about that. So we thank you three for for allowing us to conduct those conversations openly. Yeah. All that said. Abso stinking lootly. Let's get out of here. See you guys. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>